welcome to the Care Exchange, the Skills for Care podcast for managers in social care. I'm Pierre F.D. Burton. And I'm Wendy Adams. So today on the Care Exchange, we've got Jodie allen Cooley. She is the Head of Quality and Health and Safety at LifeWays. LifeWays provides support to people with learning disabilities, autism, physical disabilities and mental health. And the support is provided in residential and supportive living services. Geordie has been working in social care for 35 years, starting as a weekend volunteer in a care home. She has since then worked in a number of different roles, including registered manager and director of operations. She's been in her current quality role now for seven years. So looking forward to welcoming Geordie to the Care Exchange on the show. Welcome to the Care Exchange. Hello, everybody. Thanks for having me here today. It's an absolute pleasure. <laughs> really great to have you on. And, and we heard the introduction that you are the Head of Quality and Health and Safety for LifeWays. Um, so LifeWays, co-production is really, really important at LifeWays, isn't it? It is, yeah. You know, we support over 4,000 people across the country, so it can be a challenge. One of the things I was really impressed with, is even in your email signature, you've got something like... Uh, or tomorrow is co-produced today so it's kind of really embedded into everything that you're doing isn't it absolutely and that was um, a little strap line that was co-produced with the people we support as well ah, that's great so tell us about what 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 work have you done um I mean we, we work really hard at um, trying to continue to embed our engagement platforms really because ultimately if we don't listen to people with support how do we know what to co-produce um so a few Recent initiatives really that we've really been drilling down on is our quality checker initiative. So that's around people with support who've got lived experience who assess the quality of support we provide, but also the quality of support in the homes of other people. And they give us all that feedback and then we take that, we analyse that, we listen, we learn and we make change and co-produce change. We've also just, um, we're about six months into our quality checker committee. So that's a cohort of quality checkers who advise and guide the organisation on what and how we should be co-producing. A recent project was they supported us to co-produce our national Our Voices workshop, which was just fantastic. And we also have our local Our Voice forum. So that's for people with support, their families to come together to feedback on what's working, what's not, about the support we provide and share their ideas for improvement and also what um, co-production they want to do in terms of projects. Um, Our annual National Our Voices workshop where we collate all the feedback from across the organisation. We listen, we learn, we come together and we look at the top working themes, not working themes, and then we co-produce action. And then we're able to go and meet with our executive leadership team or the high-up management team, as the people we support prefer to call them. And we agree the priorities for the year that we're going to co-produce to drive change. So that's, you know, obviously creating a real listening, learning organisation that, for me, is um, driven by the needs of the people we support. Also, it's our Inclusive Recruitment Initiative Toolkit we just developed and co-produced, our PenPal initiative so that was something that fell out of the back of last year with people wanting it's obviously we support people across the whole of great britain so we co-produced um a pen pal toolkit where people can understand like-minded people who is available within the organization they can link up they can get some support for that in any way that makes sense to them really whether that's you know teams zoom letters cards phone calls so yeah but for us obviously you know co-production 
the most important pieces of co-production take place on a local level, don't they? So that's people co-producing the support plans, where they live, what things they want to do, um, how they achieve their hopes and aspirations. And obviously, you know, taking positive risks to grow and develop and achieve their potential because that's when co-production really gets exciting for me because that's the important stuff at the end of the day, what happens to make a difference to people's lives. So, yeah, that's the sort of things we've been getting up to over the last 12 to 18 months. Well, lots to un unpick there. So um, if I just go back to the quality um, checkers. So yeah. Um, so they are, so, so these are, they were created like a toolkit, haven't they? So you sort of yeah. almost co-produce the toolkits. So not just, are they part of checking? And the training. They, yeah, and the training. Oh, and training as well. Great. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah, so it started as um, an initiative really around how do we get the voices of the people we support um, louder? How do we amplify that um really and you know we're sitting there with a cohort of people who who've got lived experience of what we provide who better to tell us what we're doing well and what we're not doing so great so yeah they um we we worked together with about um 10 12 um quality checkers at the time we developed a training program that was really um agile so it wasn't about just being face to face it was about all different mediums that you could um provide that training and support and develop people um, then a tool as in what do we want to be looking at? What do we think is quality in terms of the standard from the people we support telling us? And then, yeah, we've got over 200 people out and about now in their organisation and some um, quality assess the quality in their own homes. But also we've got um, quality checkers on tour and they go out and assess the quality in other people's homes. And again, it's another stream of feedback that we can take as an organisation to listen, learn and then work with people to you know think about what's working what's not and what we need to do to change so that's really where the whole idea came from and how do people become quality checkers Jodie do they do you recruit them at certain times do they just express an interest as and when yeah so we have um again a co-produced poster um and that goes out you know that's available to download or you know it's um also there's an easy read guide around what a quality checker is just to whet people's appetites really so we um our managers will talk about the initiative about the premise in their our voice forums their living together meetings and if people express an interest then the, the toolkit's there to mobilize quite quickly so people can be developed quite quickly we have a national quality checker register and then people get added to the register and then we start to see their assessments come in and then they get invited to the um, National Our Voices workshop to, again, help us not just because we've got the voices of so many people, but to think about, actually, these are the themes and what we're going to do to change that. And that's where our exec leadership team come in, our higher management, and they help us to co-produce collectively. Yeah, that's so, yeah, you know, yeah. I can see how that's a real benefit to, to life ways. What um, what feedback have you had from the quality checkers themselves? Have you seen positive results from them? You know, is it something they really enjoy doing? Oh, I mean, it, it just touches on everything else, doesn't it? It touches on purpose, um, meaningful ways to fill your time. You, you know, there's a co-produced ID badge. We do um, reciprocity, which is something we call value. So basically, you know, if you do something, you get something because that's the heart of co-production, isn't it, at the end of the day? So, you know, and I mean, I just co-produced and worked with and, and co-hosted with the person we support um, on our National Our Voices workshop. Um, and 
they wanted a £50 gift voucher. That's what they wanted in terms of reciprocity. Some people want a voucher. Some people want a breakfast. They want to go out. So, yeah, it's about having those local arrangements where we're recognising and valuing the contribution of people with support. I mean, this year, the key themes um, across our organisation in terms of what people said was... Um, was working was again the third year on the run which was about our support staff are fantastic we always get that so we know we've got you know a fantastic caring culture but some of the things you know a big um hitter this year for us that people had said was they want even more involvement um in choosing the people they work with so not who they recruit because that's quite embedded people have got you know the option to be involved as little or as much as they want in them um, choosing the right staff for them and the recruitment inclusive recruitment it was about choosing who they actually worked with day in day out so that's about your staff matching and making sure you've got shared interests and personality and characteristics and all the rest of it so yeah you know they give us absolutely our quality check is drive our top not working themes and we co-produce and we do organizational change based on what they're telling us and why do you think co-production is so important well, there's a couple of things. Firstly, it's, it's absolutely the right thing to do, isn't it? It mm. also acknowledges that the people you support, you know, the people with lived experience are best placed to advise on what support will make the most difference to their lives. Obviously, you know, the, the obvious still promotes power share and enables people to come together as equal partners, obviously to find solutions. But ultimately, it's about improving the quality of the lives of the people you support and maintaining that um, person-centred perspective, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And um, how how do you why do you think people kind of get put off by it a little bit? What do you think managers think? Oh God, I'm not sure about this. What what do you think? That's why do you think people do that? I think usually it's you know everyone's so busy. I think it's a time and a capacity thing, and people think it's it can be a mindset of another job to do, and it's not another job to do, is it? It's about understanding that it's the foundation of your service culture and delivery. And I think sometimes people are that busy again and they underestimate the contribution that people with lived experience and your colleagues and other stakeholders can make to drive and showcase the quality, you know, of, of the support that you're providing. So I do think it's trying to get out of that mindset if it's another job and trying to move into a space of actually it underpins everything we do. We do that right. We're creating that listening, learning culture. Quality will follow naturally. I think one of the other things that you mentioned um, earlier is important as well, because I think one of the challenges when you're trying to do co-production is that bit about how you remunerate people in an appropriate manner for the work that they do. And we all know yeah. that one of the one of the real difficulties is, you know, if you're paying people in hard cash, then that has implications yeah. for their benefits and what they earn. But I think it's it. It's about how, you know, when you were talking about it might be about gift vouchers and I don't know whether you've got any other creative ways that you've got around that. It's about how do you do something that isn't tokenary because people have done a real task and deserve a real payment for that task, but equally in a way that isn't going to cause them more problems. Than yeah. You know, yeah, and isn't isn't tokenistic and, yeah. and uh, patronising. And we had this exact conversation on our quality tracker committee. And one of the ways people came up with it was around, okay, give me the tools to do the job. 
I want a folder, I want a pen, I want a canvas bag, I want to be able to just lift up, go, and have the things that can help me to do that role. So yeah, you know, it's about us making sure that we're giving people the tools in a way they wanted, and that's what they asked us for. So obviously, you know, we're arranging to get that um, centralist so people can just go in and get that, you know, and that's done. But it is around, yeah, it's like, you know, you've got to be mindful of the benefits trap, haven't you, and people losing things and, you know, and that... And, you know, sort of straying into paid, paid voluntary work. But, yeah, I mean, we just have a set of principles, really. So it's about giving our local managers and, our, you know, our supporters the freedom and creativity to have those conversations, maybe think through some of those barriers and challenges and come up with what do you think. And it has been as simple as, you know, a lunch, I want a T-shirt, I want a voucher, you know, and it's around just have the conversation and respect people's time and contributions and do the reciprocity thing and just try and come to an agreement. We're not going to sit there as an organisation and go, we have this big set budget and, you know, these are the hard and fast rules and you've got to, it's got to be fluid, hasn't it, and dynamic mm-hmm. and right. It's got to be person-centred, hasn't it? And that's yeah. the sort of set of principles we've taken around that, really. And I think as well, it's about recognising that just because you've always done something a certain way, actually, if you're doing it in terms of co-production, you might have to need to make changes. And I suppose I'm thinking back to examples where I've I've delivered training um, and that training has been been co-produced, but also co-delivered um, yeah. by people. And, you know, it was it was things like the barriers that I came up against was the organisation saying, oh, well, our training courses run from half past nine till four o'clock. And I was then saying, well, yes, that's fine. But this person, half past nine doesn't work for them. So we might have to start exactly. at half past ten. And the organisation was saying, oh, but we, ne- we never deliver training at half past ten. We start at half past nine. Um, what if that's the precedent well you know what if it does um and again you know that bit about if if you're co-delivering things then it might be that people you need to be much more flexible about well people might have a bad day or might have a period where they're not well enough to do the quality checking or deliver the training or whatever and I think it's that bit about I think you touched on that Geordie when you were talking about time being one of the barriers we all know and this is often why managers don't delegate things to staff we all know sometimes that if you do it yourself it's quicker um and and again you know we've got to get away from thinking yeah but is is quicker always better you know sometimes sometimes it might be better to have done it using the co-production but it might take you three times as as long because of the the adjustments changes that you need to make yeah it's about empowering people isn't it and you know I always it's easy to cling on to something you know and be the owner of it and only you can do it it's actually about empowering other people and skilling people up and delegation isn't it and it's about respecting that other people will do something different to you but it's not right or wrong it's about what works for the situation isn't it so yeah you know so ultimately it's about being person-centered isn't it listening Mm -hmm learning and delivering it in a way that makes sense to the person who's going to be delivering I think it's about having those conversations isn't it and not being so rigid in your approach and boundary it's about giving people that flex fluidity isn't it to be able to be empowered to make their own decisions and deliver in a way that makes sense to them that's what you know that's what I would say so the other thing is um you know sort of thinking with your with the quality checkers um CQC uses expert 
expert by experience and a lot in their inspection. And I suspect they're going to be doing it even more so. So if your workforce is used to having people with lived experience, do, you know, checking the quality, it doesn't, it's not, it's not new, something new when a CQC inspection happens with an expert from experience, is it? it it's something that's, you know, the people that you're supporting are used to having somebody coming in with lived experience, asking questions and checking quality. So it becomes common practice and it becomes good practice, isn't it? Yeah, and it becomes a really positive culture, doesn't yeah. it? I think sometimes people, in terms of engagement, maybe a little frightened to hear the negative stuff and don't want to hear that. Yeah. Best not to lift that rock, but absolutely lift that rock because you can't make things better if you don't have that honest, open, transparent culture, can you? So, you know, I think that can make people a bit hesitant sometimes. But I just say, lift the rock, let's hear, let's engage, let's make it better. And I think, you know, that's the approach, isn't it? And speaking about culture, one of the things that you mentioned was about involving the, the inclusive recruitment toolkit and involving people in the recruitment. And again, I think that gives a very strong message about the culture of your organisation. If I was to come along for a job, um, that, that's a really strong message about the culture of the organisation if I'm going to be interviewed by the people that I'm going to be um, providing service to. Tell us a little bit about that, because I hear lots of organisations who say, well, we involve people in recruitment. But again, it's a little bit worrying that sometimes that's a bit tokenistic, I think, you know, and, and you know, it, it, it involves somebody being on the interview panel, but they don't really ask a question or if they do ask a question, it doesn't carry the same weight as, as the questions that other people ask. So tell us a little bit about what you do. Yeah, it's not about a one size fits all, is it? So basically, um, when we start to work with somebody, you know, and they want to receive, um, you know, some of our support services, I mean, whichever guys or form that is, one of the first things um, we do is support people. Um, and we have a booklet called Choosing My Support. And basically what that does, it creates a person-centered approach around how people want to be involved. And we have some people say, absolutely, that's over to you. I trust you. You know, so we're like, okay, so what would, you know, we do the staff matching piece around what would somebody um, look like, you know, would work positively with you. And people might say, you know, um, shared, you know, shared interest. I love swimming. So, you know, you're not going to get somebody who doesn't like swimming, are you? Because they don't want to get the thighs out and it's not going to happen. It's not going to be a great experience. Other people might say, I need somebody who's quiet, you know, so you don't want somebody like me who's a bit loud and over the top <laughs> supporting somebody who's quite quiet and reserved, <laughs> etc. So it's like choosing my support, really exploring what being involved looks like positively for you in a person-centred way. And then making sure that we, you know, deliver on that and that can be like you say that can be about writing interview questions sitting on the panel contributing you know to the um job description the person specification your staff match um you know your staff matching it can also be that you know say somebody gets through to the second stage and people have said do that bit for me but then i want to meet them and have the final say so then you know mm -hmm. somebody might go on a shared activity with somebody or might visit them in the home and spend a little time uh you know being supported obviously you know you've got to think about all your dbs and stuff but just around ensuring you know in a safe environment that someone's had chance to chat to that person ask their own things and it's a two-way street really as well because you don't want people who are just recruited you know 
blindly somewhere else and then so you know suddenly land supporting somebody that they've not been matched with and didn't think it was going to look like that and then obviously that's a re- that's a retention problem isn't it you've wasted all that time and energy so it's just about you know for us as an organization making sure that very you know from the very outset we understand how people want to be involved the level of how they want to be involved and then, you know, just making sure we facilitate and we make that happen. So that's the approach, um, you know, we take. And we have, again, a co-produced um, toolkit around that just to ensure that, you know, and, and that includes the, the um, choosing my support booklet, the staff matching tool. It includes things like that, you know, where our support colleagues can really work with people to understand what good looks like for the people they support in choosing, you know, um, the right people for them. So that's, mm-hmm. yeah, that's um, how that works within um, LifeWays Group, really. And that's really sensible because sometimes people will say, well, the people we support wouldn't be able to take part in interviews and not everybody could or would want to. But what you're describing is that model where just because they can't or don't want to be part of that, the actual physical interview process doesn't mean that they can't be part of that, that recruitment process. Yeah, it's coming back, like you say, it always comes back to personalisation, doesn't it? And again, listening, learning and making sure it's personalised for that person. But I think just touching on the point that you talked about before, it's so important that, you know, that the people we support are involved in choosing the right people for them because it is about setting out from the outset the power dynamic who's in control here. And, you know, if people are not involved, potentially people who come and, you know, um, join our community, you know, in terms of being supporters, they can think they're accountable to the organisation and not the person. So it's about making sure from the outset that actually you're, you know, employed to support this person as an, you know, as an organisation. We're there to support you to do that and skill you up, but we're there to facilitate that relationship. Ultimately, your accountability sits with the person you support. Mm. Obviously, LifeWay is a big organisation, isn't it? You know, you Mm -hmm. employ a lot of people, provide support to a a lot of people. Imagine listening to this and and maybe how, you know, part of a small organisation or they're, you know, they're just a single, it's just them. How do you think they can go about introducing uh, co-production to their service? I mean, I'm going to reflect here on my time as a registered manager, which I loved, Mm. because you've got the freedom, creativity, to wrap your arms around your registration and personally drive, obviously, your personalization and co-production culture at a local level because that's where it matters most. So I think you make the most difference than a big organization with a quality function than all the rest of it. It's not, a, you know, we're there to assure quality and support people to understand what good outstanding looks like and to drive quality. Ultimately, as a registered manager, that's where it sits. It's that local leadership, isn't it, that mm. makes the, um, you know, ultimate difference. For me, um, I think initially you have to start off at co-producing your vision and your values, don't you? Making sure people have had personalization training, co-production training, they understand what it's about, how it links in with your local vision and set of values. Um, Because I I think when you do that, you can't underestimate how it switches people on to understand again about that power dynamic um, and who should be in control in that care setting. I would also say to managers to register to join Making It Real because you're going to get some great information, advice and support on co-production there, aren't you? And also a platform to really evidence and publicly showcase 
or what you're doing in terms of co-production and how fantastic is that for your regulatory inspections mm. and your local contract monitoring where you can really showcase what you're doing but again also be inspired by what other people are doing what are people doing differently um yeah we'll make we'll, we'll when we do the show notes we'll make sure we put a link into making it real so tell me a bit more about making it real um so so basically making it real is a platform where you publicly sign up um, to declare your commitment to personalization um, in a nutshell mm-hmm. and basically you know you make a commitment to say we're going to publicly register we're committed to um, personalization but that means that everybody can go in publicly to look at what you're doing and how you're doing so your regulator can go and check in and see what you're doing families people you support stakeholders so it's a real you know you're making this public declaration and you're going to be held to account for it but what making it real does again you know they've got all the information and advice they've got a set of standards um i statements and we statements that set out clearly what good personalization and co-production looks like um and again you know if that's your journey if you're starting off you know it's a great place to go and sign up publicly declare and that you know absolutely showcase what you're doing but also I look at what other organizations are doing mm-hmm. and you know and I use that to benchmark ourselves and to measure you know the impacts of what we're doing so that's really what um making it real is about but interestingly the I statements and the we statements for making it real are now part of the uh, CQC single assessment framework mm-hmm. aren't they so that mm-hmm. is like that is like the measure of um personal you know of personalized yeah. care and support what good looks like so yeah so you know you do well to align yourself with, with yeah, yeah with those standards really yeah 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 so yeah make sure we'll make sure that we we put a note in the uh, in the show notes so what's the next step for lifeways i'm sure you've got lots of other plans you know what you're doing already sounds great but what's your next steps um a really exciting initiative is our new talk time club um okay. and basically this was something um, our quality checker committee um, raised with us and said, it's great that, you know, once a year we do all this analysis of everybody's feedback and we look at what's working, what's not and the themes and trends. And we get to talk to um, higher management, ELT, about, you know, what we're saying. We want more of that. You know, our ELT absolutely listened. And now we have um, a platform um, where the people we support, I've, uh, I've got regular opportunity now to meet with our exec leadership team and ask their questions and share their support experiences. So we've already got lots of questions flooding in, um, you, you know, again, and we've done some a lot of promotion around that because we, we're really blessed with a platform called Workplace, which is a bit like Facebook for um, organisations. So basically, it's our main platform for communication across the whole of our organisation. So we've had um, people with support talking to us about you know what talk time club is and we've been sharing that we've been sharing posters easy read guides so yes you know it's just going to be another place where people can come and tell us about what we're doing well what we're not doing so well or get some of their questions answered and obviously you know that just switches on then to actually is this a running theme do we need to do some joining the dots here triangulation etc so yeah we're really really excited about that we've got our um, quality director and one of our managing directors um lined up for our first session so yeah so that's a really exciting um yeah we're also um 
we're just on with the rollout of our new e-support platform and our e-rostering platform. And obviously that's going to really support and drive our co-production because what it's going to do, those two um, platforms are going to empower the people with support to be even more involved in co-producing their support plans and the things that, you know, they like to do in choosing the colleagues that, you know, that they they work with but more importantly well just as importantly we'll be able to better because we'll have central oversight and be better to monitor and measure the impact of the things we co-produce in a much more slick way than you know than maybe having to do manual pulls and trolls on some of the stuff um, and of course we're going to continue to drive our quality checkers um, our ambition is still to have one in the homes of every person we support I mean we're well on our way uh, with over 200 but we do support over 4,000 people so we've got a way to go but in 18 months we've gone from zero to 200 so it's just phenomenal mm. and what and it's not about the speed is it all you know it's about how well you embed and sustain on that journey isn't it so you know I know that those people are genuine quality checkers who are out there who are assessing feeding back to us and really enjoying being empowered in that role so yeah I'll take slow steady progress any day over massive yeah, role that, yeah that don't hit <laughs> it's quality over quantity isn't it really exactly yeah so I wanted to ask you about something else so obviously we heard introduction that you are the head of quality and health and safety um, so obviously you you must be doing lots of quite a quality checking. Um, so what are the sort of kind of common areas of improvement that you see the managers need to make? Um, well, I'm really privileged to um, support our registered managers. We have a, a registered managers network, but we also have um, a good to outstanding um, managers network, which brings all our registered managers together who were who were really you know on their outstanding journeys, and it's also um a peer support platform so I get to hear about some of their co-production challenges and again just going back to some of the things I had on last time you know again it's about people are so busy they forget to understand the importance of investing in or creating those platforms to engage with people to hear their views on what's working and not working and obviously you know their ideas for change and again I keep saying it but if you're not listening and learning how do you know what to co-produce I see things like people missing the simplest of opportunities to co-produce. So like supporting people to plan their time meaningfully, menu planning, rotors, changes to the home environment. All of these things can be co-produced and people just steamroll ahead. Because again, going back to Wendy's point, sometimes it's quicker to do it yourself, but it's not as um, sustainable and you don't get the outcomes all the time that people actually want. And then another big one I see is that people forget to evidence or showcase what they're actually co-producing. So in inspection, you know you've done loads of fantastic stuff, but you're scrabbling around trying to evidence what you've done. So I always remind managers to, you know, package up your um, case studies, your good news stories, really shout out and be proud about what you're doing and what you're co-producing and really showcasing the difference that it's making to the lives of people you support. And again, it's just, it's that mindset sometimes, isn't it? It's about time capacity I'm too busy I'm not saying actually if you make it the foundation of what you do it's just going to grow from there into you know you plant those seeds and then you've got these lovely trees that are blossoming full of personalization and co-production naturally and I think those are the things that I I see really and I think in terms of evidencing it's also about evidencing the smaller co-production things as well isn't it because what I 
what happens sometimes is that the organisations are good at evidencing that they've co-produced on a big change. So they've opened a new service and they've got yeah. the decor <laughs> and all of that. But then the really small things like, you know, should we should we keep the, the cups that you can make yourselves a cup of tea or coffee and should we keep them in this room or that room? That That's the bit that they don't go back. The small details is the stuff that they don't go back and check out with people. Um, but actually, they're the things that make a big difference to your, to your life too. Yeah, particularly if you're trying to measure in evidence outcomes as well um, in reviews. And I think that's why us really invested in, in our new e-support platform is going to enable our managers to be really dynamic with that. So, for example, people with support can talk into the device around what sort of you know um, day they've had what they've been doing they can upload pictures they can type in the cells there's all different ways now that we can gather evidence of what people have been doing and co-producing so you know that could be about today I work with you know Dave the registered manager and we looked at staff matching on the rotor Technically, we've co-produced a rotor together. We've staff matched everybody. Everyone's had input in it, and we've co-produced it. People just think that's just the norm, and that's what you do. So you don't think about packaging that up and evidence in it, do you? But again, our you know our new e-rostering um, platform will be able to stronger evidence that as well, which again creates capacity, doesn't it? Um, you know, for our managers and supporters to really concentrate where it matters. You know, not on copious amounts of report writing, but you know, working with the people with support and supporting them to achieve you know what they want to in their lives. So you know, all these things that we're trying to embed and roll out you know which we will do successfully they're going to create so much capacity for us to do more personalization co-production conversations i know you know it's easy to say it's the softer stuff but it's actually the core fundamentals to me what should be happening i'm sort of thinking as well to you know or thinking about the cqc new uh, single assessment framework one of the evidence categories is feedback from the people using the service isn't it <laughs> so this is really linking into you know so Maybe if if, co if you're listening to this and you think co-production sounds a bit scary or a bit, you know, thinking about it as, you know, how are you gathering feedback and how are you making sure that that feedback is is really the culture is that you're really listening and taking on board and working with people to make improvement, isn't it? Yeah, I keep saying this listening, learning culture, but it's so important. I mean, I heard yesterday that 66, 68% of a rating is going to be made up of feedback now in terms of our, you know, under the new single assessment framework. So it's never been as important as it to engage and hear the voice of the people you support, the families, mm. the carers and your stakeholders. And I think when you're regularly obtaining feedback around what's working, what's not, about obviously, you know, the support you're providing and your evidence in what you've co-produced, it's going to be key, isn't it? to not only improving the quality of life of the people you support but it's going to be the underpinning reason how you know you can evidence outstanding support and hopefully secure that rating again mm. you can, if you're not listening to people's experiences and respecting that the best place to tell you how support should be delivered and how you can improve because what is it at the end of the day fundamentally it's just it's good customer service isn't it which any business would be respecting and applying happy customers are going to stay with you they're going to promote you and more importantly they 
going to set the standard of what good looks like and showcase the great support you provide. So I think if you couple that with a strong foundation of what's, you know, what CQC, you know, one of their own key, one of their own quality statements, safety through learning. So basically, you know, you're listening to learning culture. And if you have that as a strong foundation, again, you're going to better evidence and secure an outstanding rating. That's that's mm. my view on why on, on the part that personalization and co-production is going to play. I think it's always played that part, hasn't it? But I think it's been teased out a lot more under the new single assessment framework. Now it's a lot clearer with the key questions and the quality statements and the evidence categories and stuff. So, yeah, I think fundamentally you've got to engage, you've got to listen, you've got to learn and you've got to act. We always have our time to care slot in every episode. Um, so... I just wanted to ask you, Jodie, you've talked so much and overwhelmed us with how much you're doing. Um, what is your most time-saving tip? I think you touched on this before, Wendy. And for me, it's about effective planning and delegation. For me, my mantra is, if you fail to prepare, you prepare to fail. And I live by it and it's always done me well. Um, and making sure that I've delegated to the right person, um, even if that's me, but I think I'm all for about, I always think, what if I'm not there? Will that still run? Will that still happen? Have I empowered, skilled people up, give them the tools they need to be able to run with that if I'm not there? Yeah, I should be able to go on holiday for two weeks and know that everything will still run, you know, without me because the systems and processes are there and the skill sets there, the commitment's there and we've got, you know, um, you know the resource. So for me, it's just around, I think, preparation is absolutely key and delegation and again people just say I ain't got time for that I'm just gonna it's like if you just slow down put the time in it will absolutely pay dividends further down the line so that's a little um, mantra that I I always live by and I think that's a brilliant top tip. Um, here at Skills for Care, we we often are out delivering workshops or, or sessions. And it's amazing how the moment you say, right, we're stopping for a break, everybody dashes off to put their phone on because something terrible could have happened in the hour and a half since, you know, <laughs> since you started until you've got to a break. Never mind two weeks, two weeks on holiday. Um, so, yeah, great, great top tip there, Jodie. So on to our final question. Um, I want you to imagine that we're in a lift on the 10th floor and we're going down with a group of registered managers and before everyone gets out at the bottom so you've only got 10 floors to summarize it you want to tell them the thing that you think is most important so what's your key message that you want to leave them with i don't even think i need 10 floors to say this i think for me just it's a fast don't lift. Ever, it's a fast <laughs> lift Never forget for me to ensure the people you support are at the heart of everything you do, then build outwards from that. And for me, another mantra is nothing about you without you. And that's what I always keep in my head. I always have for the last 30 years and it's never stayed me wrong. So, yeah, that's what I would um, leave people with. Brilliant. And I'm not sure. That was, yeah, I'm not sure what we would say to to, to top that. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. And I think that summarises so well what, you are, what you've been talking about since the moment you've been said hello today. So you, know, you kind of just <laughs> summarise, which is that question is always a little bit of a summary question, just, you know, disguised a little bit with a lift. But I don't think you could have summarised that any better than you, than you did. So thank you so much. This has been really, really fascinating. And I think, you know, a, 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 such a vital 
thing to think about in terms of um, managing services. Um, you know, co-production really is important. So thank you so much for your time today. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. That was a really great conversation we had there with Jodie. Well, wasn't it fabulous? She had so much to say, didn't she? Um, yeah. I was loving what she had to say about um, the co-production, particularly in the the recruitment. Because yeah. You speak to so many managers who would like to involve people in recruitment, but just don't know where to, don't know where to start. Or will say, um, you know, I, people couldn't be part of interviews. Um, so I don't know what else to do. And it just, it made me think about some of our recruitment resources yeah we've, we've actually got a resource haven't we that is yeah. about how to involve people who use care in in recruitment and it talks about some of the things that Jodie was referring to about even if somebody couldn't or didn't want to be part of interviews maybe they could be part of helping to write the interview questions for example um or being the the final decision um, if they didn't want to be involved any earlier. So, yeah, it really, it really made me think about some of our recruitment tools too. Yeah, it's a really interesting co-production. is a really interesting topic. And I think with the changes of CQC, it's going to be even more important. You know, she started off by saying it's the right thing to do, and I completely get that. But it's also maybe something that some managers just find a bit too, you know, it's a big and how do I start? And I think just some of the tips you had around the culture and making sure your culture is right. Because if you have a culture that is really about learning and making improvements and um, wanting to listen to each other and showing respect, well, that goes for everybody, doesn't it? And who's the people that you are supporting? And therefore, you then suddenly get that that co-production culture, I suppose it is. Um, our culture toolkit it's really fantastic a guide or toolkit to help you think about well, what sort of culture do I have right now and what are we inspire, aspiring to and what how do we make changes um so you know I think just thinking about your culture and and, and are you the right do you have the right culture to um really make sure that co-production is is you know that that people feel like that they can speak out and they can they are going to be taken seriously when they make suggestions. That's part of it, isn't it? That's like the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the one thing that came out so strongly from what Jodie had to say is that it was about culture goes through everything you you do. Yeah. Um, that it's not an additional task. It's a it's a, a thread that runs through through everything. And I think you're right. That's why it it fits so well with um, our culture toolkit. Yeah, and that if that co-production can be that thread as well, you know, so alongside um, uh, culture, you have the co-production. So you just keep thinking every time you're think doing something new or you're doing something, how could co-production be part of this? So the other thing that she was talking about was making it real. And we will absolutely make a link in the show notes um, on that. And just I've just we've had a look, and it's it's got great toolkit. That could help you start that journey if you haven't before and lots of case studies. So definitely worth checking checking that out too. So that's it for this episode. Thank you so much uh, for listening. Uh, really hope you've enjoyed it and enjoyed the conversation with Jodie. Uh, if you have enjoyed today's episode, do always tell another manager um, if you can. Um, and that's it for now. Thank you. Bye.